Wasting no time with these hoes. Let's no finesse Greetings, folks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Being Technical Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Aaron Bien, where I'm just being honest. I appreciate y'all for listening to me. Once again, you can stream me, whatever platform that is. It's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, however you get your podcast. Doesn't matter. I am available on those. You can listen to me to whichever one you prefer. We got ourselves a jam-packed week so far. Uh, we're already at what? Week four of the NFL season, already a qu- almost a quarter there. It's crazy how fast the football season goes because it's like every you get a game on Thursday, you get a game on Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night. So you only get about three games a week. You anticipate, especially those that watch play fantasy football, which I'll get to later. You're thinking about the week so much, you get to Sunday and next you know it, wow, the season's halfway over. It's been a compelling start of the season so far. But before I hit up on my daily football talk, I got to give a shout out to my Minnesota Twins. We finally clinched the AL Central. It's been nine years. We got ourselves 100 wins, hit 300 home runs. I'm going to give a shout out to the Twins, my second favorite team behind the Vikings. I do love the Twins. For y'all don't know, I do like baseball. I followed it. I've been following it since I was a kid. It's good to see the Twins finally win the AL Central. Like growing up, I used to see them win the AL Central so so for often, you know, used to just be like, oh, the Twins is going to win the Central. But we went nine whole years. And finally, we got our, we brought home the AL Central. But it looks, but it looks like we're going to get our old nemesis again, the New York Yankees. But this time, this time I think they actually got a chance to beat the Yankees. This is probably our strongest team I've ever seen the Twins have. This could be the one. This could be the year that we strike the Yankees. That should possibly be the best series going into the playoffs. Two heavyweights. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a slugfest. Two the top two home run hitting team. I think the Yankees passed us. I think they're at like three hundred five now. I thought we, we broke the record. First team to three hundred. All they kept talking about the Twins, and this whole time the Yankees were quietly blasting home runs. I guess that's why they call them the Bronx Bombers. So it's gonna be a compelling series. I think. We got two more games left in the regular season. That baseball playoffs should be starting next week. The Bronx Bombers versus the Bomber Squad. I think that's the series that brings baseball back. I think, in my opinion, the most exciting series. You're going to see a lot of home runs, and I think that might be the most interesting series. Come on, Twins. Can you finally beat the Yankees this time? You guys have been losing to them all these years. Time to take out the, the, big, the big bosses of the, the AL Let's beat the Yankees this time. I think we got a chance. So I just had to do a little quick shout-out for my Minnesota Twins. Let's get it. Maybe they can bring home a championship since the other teams don't seem to not want to. I know the Twins already got two, but it's been like 28 years since they won the last World Series. It was like 91. I think I wasn't even one yet. I was turning one at the time. So obviously, I'm not going to – they didn't get to enjoy that championship. So I got to see one of these teams win a title. So – we're going to start off, Twins got their crack at us, and they're going to be in the playoffs. So shout out to them. But moving on, we had a nice start to week four. I'm going to give you guys some previews of the week four. 
uh, who I think needs who needs to make the statement this week. We had a nice little uh, interesting game last this Thursday. Packers, Eagles, desperate Eagles team versus the Packers. Packers had a chance to go four and zero and have a nice grip on the uh, NFC North. But it was actually fun for me to watch to see the Packers lose. They lost thirty four to twenty seven at the end of the game. Uh, Rodgers turning over the ball. Eagles going into Lambeau and defeating the Green Bay Packers, bringing them to three three and one. And now it makes the NFC North that much more com- that much more compelling and tight knit. Did, did I not say the NFC North was going to is the best division in football? I've been preaching that the NFC North is the best division in football, and so far it has proven its case as the best division in football. You had the Packers now at three and one. Bears, Vikings, two and one. I'll get to that game later. And you got quietly seeing the Lions at two on one. They really should be three and zero. So I'm kind of happy they got that tie. But looking at it, everybody in that division is tied. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle to the end. And the Lions are not a they are not sweet. I've been saying they're not sweet. I said be careful for the Lions. They're that sneaky team. They're gonna give teams fits. And so far them being two on one. Hey. So I said, watch out for the Lions. Don't take them lightly anymore. They're not just those same old Lions. Anyways, back to that game. Packers were up early, 13-0. I thought they were going to run away with the game. I mean, that was the that was the perfect game on primetime for the, the Packers to put a stamp, go 4-0, playing a desperate, decimated Eagles team. I mean, the Eagles had, I don't even know who plays corner for them anymore. They they're decimated in the in the secondary. Missing guys on the D line on their D line, missing Deshaun Jackson, and they're out, and their receiving core depleted. And you had Alshon Jeffrey basically playing on one leg, and they found a way to go in a Lambo, take that game. Stat wise, Aaron Rodgers put up a great stat line: four hundred, like four hundred and twenty some yards, two touchdowns. But he did make some key mistakes. But again, Packers go up. 13-0. All of a sudden, the Eagles strike. Then all of a sudden, Rodgers fumbles the ball before the half. Eagles get a touchdown. Next, you know, you had a tie game. Miles Sanders returns after a field goal, returns a kick, gets some good field position. They scored. And for the Eagles, I'm looking at it for the Eagles. They desperately needed to win that game. They had to win. If they would have went one and three and they had a tough stretch after that, I think their playoffs playoff um Chances would have dwindled if they'd have lost that game, went one and three. And when you really think about it, the Philadelphia Eagles could easily be two and one, maybe three and oh. They had the Lions game one. Nelson Aguilar dropped the touchdown. So, so did Arcega White. Also, the Falcons game, Aguilar could have dropped a would have been, he could have walked in the end zone, but he dropped it. Lost to Philly. I mean, lost to Atlanta. Also, they, they Washington they had to come back from behind. Uh, down seventeen, nothing, and now you got the two and two Eagles. They could have been three and one, two and two, two and one, whatever. Two and one. Let's say they could have been two and one, but facing one and two, gave it all they had, and came out with that with that win. And what what the Eagles did? They imposed their will on both sides of the trenches. They pushed the Packers around. Was able to run the football with Jordan Howard. Uh, I must say. I'm so glad Jordan Howard's out of that division, out of our division, because he was a NFC North killer, and he showed why. He anytime he gets a chance to play an NFC North team, he just finds a way to have a big game. Three touchdowns, just gashed the Packers. And 
Speaking of the Packers, what happened to that so-called Packers vaunted defense? They led the league in points given up. They only were giving up like 11 points a game. They were they led the league in sacks. They looked old. Oh, Packers are back. This vaunted defense. Oh, look out. Adding Preston Smith, blah, blah, blah. Mike Pettin, they fixed their secondary. And when they played a real team with a real quarterback, no offense, they got exposed. Wentz picked, picked them apart. Didn't turn the ball over. I didn't even think he got hit once. They ran the football effectively with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. And this so-called vaunted Packers defense got gashed. And I must say, like I've been saying for the last few weeks, that Packers defense was highly overrated. They went and played Trubisky to start off the season. Then they played Kirk Cousins. I mean, no, that's my guy Cousins, but that was kind of his first game where he was forced to throw the ball. The game before, he landed, he only threw the ball 10 times. So, and then you come back the next week and expect him to throw the ball 30 times. He didn't really have much rhythm with the receivers. And so it made this Packers defense look good. But they got exposed by a real offense that was still missing some key guys, still had missing Deshaun Jackson, and they torched them, put up 34 points in Lambeau, and literally could do what they wanted on offense. They wanted to run the ball. I mean, they were, I mean, Jordan Howard could have just walked in those holes he was getting. And sure, Aaron Rodgers had a great stat line, but he was missing some key throws that we're not used to seeing Aaron Rodgers miss. I mean, he had that, that one, one point of the game at the fourth quarter. He had that nice, beautiful pass to Devontae Adams. He had him, but he slightly underthrew where he gave the Eagles defender just a, just a chance to stick his hand out and deflect that ball, uh, knock it out. That was a pass that we were accustomed to seeing Aaron Rodgers drop in the breadbasket right in Devontae Adams' hand, touchdown. We've been seeing it for years, and... Just just as a observer of the game, I just noticed Aaron Rodgers just didn't seem comfortable. He, I mean, he was playing against a team that was honestly this, probably the worst secondary in football. And, yeah, I mean, that would have been the game where they should have, when they went up 13-0, they should have just ran away with that game. But the things I just keep noticing is that Packers offense, once they go off script, they don't know what to do. Somehow Matt LaFleur... And Aaron Rodgers, there's something, something about them where they're just not clicking. They seem to be one-dimensional in the second half. I don't know whether as they go up so much, they don't really have a kind of an offense where they can still keep keep the the foot on the pedal. They kind of kind of disappear. They kind of look, you know, lackadaisical. And it just seems that their play calling was very basic, and they weren't able to put the game away. So I put some of that onus on LaFleur. I just feel like he's got such a basic game plan. Uh, doesn't really have much, uh, much script passes, I don't know, 30, seems like he only got 20, 30 plays that he can go to, but after that, I just feel like he doesn't have anything else, and I don't know what this infatuation was with this whole LaFleur and Rodgers, we've seen it, essentially, for four games, and, and that's been consistent, once the second half comes around, that offense just, just fizzles out, and... To be honest, I think that I think eventually they're gonna Lafleur and and Aaron Rodgers are gonna eventually butt heads because if I'm at Lafleur and I got Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback, you let him control the offense. Why do you have control in the cap of Aaron Rodgers? You have arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and you don't want to unleash him. 
I think that's going to be a problem. I think LaFleur is a control freak. This actually makes me happy. Seeing the Packers being exposed for the frauds they are. And even when they had their best game with against the Vikings, they played a picture-perfect game. Rodgers threw no, didn't throw any picks. And they even with the Vikings having their worst game, Cousins going 14 for 32, two interceptions, we still could have won that game. We still had it first and goal in the fourth quarter with four minutes left, and we still could have won that game. Some obvious, another thing I know is they, they, their run defense is very, very suspect. I mean, they let, beside week one, they let the Vikings run for 198 plus. They let the, the Broncos run on the ground 150 yards plus, and then they let the Eagles run for 177 yards. And that, and now that the teams now go moving forward, have a blueprint on how to stop the slow down the Green Bay Packers, it's running the football. Found a weakness in their in their defense. You can just run it down their throats. Their 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 front four is kind of undersized, and I think there's been a blueprint on how to stop this Packers. And they finally came down to earth. Whether it's just they played a good team, but I don't know. The Packers should have won that game. They had first. They had two red zone attempt. Two red zone attempts. Late in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't get no touchdowns. With Aaron Rodgers, you had first and goal, turnover on down, throw a ball to Jimmy Graham on fourth and goal. He drops it. Now all of a sudden, you have first and goal at the one, and he throw four pass places, four pass plays. I want, I want, probably everyone says that. Why don't you run the football? They could have at least tried one crack at running the football, but I mean, if you got Aaron Rodgers four times in the red zone, four chances, Aaron Rodgers should hit one of them. And he didn't. So I give some of that blame also to Aaron Rodgers because that also not feeling that pressure at the end of the second half, uh, end of the um, fourth halftime, fumbling that ball, knowing you could have put the could have put the team away, could have put the Eagles away, but you didn't. Fumbled, gave the Eagles life, turned the ball over for uh, turnover on down, and then to end the game, that interception, which I'm not used to seeing Rodgers throwing interception in the red zone. I think on that play, he had a fourth string corner and some guy named Craig James and he threw it a first read where he had James and Jenkins went on for went after Scantling and he throws him the old Aaron Rodgers if he would have saw that he would have just waited a second and whatever the I forgot the other Runyon or whatever the receiver out there was went wide open and old Aaron Rodgers would have just waited and just dropped it over the top touchdown that game would have been in overtime but Honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers, he might be seeing a decline in Aaron Rodgers because that Aaron Rodgers I watched on Thursday, that is not the same. That is That was arguably one of Rodgers' poor performances. And there's a stat I noticed um, looking when I saw, uh, that I saw on the internet. Since 2000, was it 6 or 2010, Aaron Rodgers is actually 17-26-1 against winning uh, teams with a winning record. That's a remarkable stat for a quarterback that constantly gets praised as one of the most, the greatest quarterbacks from a talent perspective in the NFL. Transcending player, but since, what's it, 2000, I don't know, if it was either 2016, 2010, I want to say, he's 17, 26, and 1. That one tie coming against the Vikings, obviously. That's just, 
That's kind of remarkable. Also, interesting stat. Actually, since 2012, I correct myself. He is 17 and 26 and one against teams that finished the season with a winning record. That's crazy. For someone that gets put in the conversation as the greatest quarterback, 17, 26 and one. I don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little overrated. I don't think. I think Tom Brady's got a winning record against teams with a winning record. Payne Manning didn't have a losing record against teams with a winning record. But Aaron Rodgers, 17, 26, and 1. He's been pretty average. I know he's been aired, but he's been kind of average the last, I don't know, seven years or so. So keep that keep that in the back of your head if you, uh, you want to put Aaron Rodgers in the conversation as the greatest quarterback. Anyways, enough with the Packers. I'm just getting sick to my stomach already talking about them. I can't stand them. I hate the Packers. I was happy they lost. Good way to start the, the, the football week. Packers losing. So now I can I can uh, enjoy the rest of my uh, week until I get to Sunday and get to the game. And let's move forward to week four. For all my guys that play fantasy football, this is for y'all. I got a segment for y'all. For those of you know, who might have some questions, uh, start in your lineups. Uh, I got the answer just for you, who I, who I think is going to excel. And also, I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous about. Obviously, if you have any of your first-round picks, any of your studs, I'm not going to question those guys. Those aren't the guys I'm going to include in this uh, segment because they're your studs. They're your first-round picks. doesn't matter who they're playing. You keep them in your lineup, you play them, whether it's, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if you have Ezekiel Elliott, whoever, Dalvin Cook, who I got, obviously, who I'm kind of nervous about, who I'm going to get to. If you have any of those guys, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, you're going to play them no matter the matchup, no matter the week, those guys, so those, you know, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, if you have those guys on your team, they don't count because they're going to be in your lineup no matter what. So, let me give you position by position who I think is going to exhale this week. Let's start off with the quarterback. Another quarterback I would consider starting this week who I think is going to have a great week. Matthew Stafford against the Kansas City Chiefs. That game is going to be a very high-scoring game. It's going to involve a lot of throwing. Matthew Stafford likes to throw the football a lot. I can see him having a big game, possibly three to four touchdown passes. 300 plus yards. If you have Matthew Stafford, or if you're sitting on your waiver wire, I would start Matthew Stafford. Put him in your lineup. Also, Russell Wilson against the Arizona Cardinals. They're they're a pretty bad defense. Russell Wilson has been on fire lately. Depleted secondary in the Cardinals. That's going to be another high-scoring game. Russell Wilson doesn't turn the football over. If you have Russell Wilson, you start him. Also, Phillip Rivers. The old cowboy. If you have Phillip River going against arguably the worst football team in the NFL history, Miami Dolphins, who is clearly in tank mode. If you got Phillip Rivers, start him. I expect him to have a big game. 300, three touchdown passes, 400 yards, the 300, 350-yard game. I can see that from Phillip Rivers. Start Phillip Rivers. The quarterbacks kind of make me nervous, though. I got a couple... Dak Prescott, Sunday night football, on the road, 
prime time against the New Orleans Saints, hostile environment. I'm kind of nervous about Dak Prescott. This is his first true test of the season. He had a couple cakewalks to start the year. He looked good against Washington, the Giants, the Dolphins, three pretty bad teams that are combined, what, one and nine. He's going to get his first true test against the New Orleans Saints. He makes me kind of nervous. Also, Jameis Winston. If you have Jameis Winston, I'd be kind of nervous starting me there on the road against the L.A. Rams. We'll also have a pretty good defense with Aaron Donald, those pretty shutdown corners, and uh, Marcus Peters, and to, I'll keep Tlaib and Weddle in the, in the back uh, in that secondary. I, I could definitely see a game where Winston can easily tote two to three interceptions. Kind of makes me nervous. Josh Allen also makes me nervous. I mean, he's a very limited quarterback. He usually gets a lot of his fantasy points on the ground. Uh, but he's going to be playing arguably the best defense right now, the number one defense in football, the New England Patriots, who will look stout. Don't look like they, I don't think they've still given up an offensive touchdown all season. Dane back to the Super Bowl. They have not given up an offensive touchdown. He makes me nervous. If you have Josh Allen, kind of makes me nervous. And also, it's crazy to say this, also Tom Brady. Tom Brady has to go to Buffalo, who also has a top 10 defense on the road in Buffalo. It's going to be loud in there. He's down, down a couple, got a couple offensive linemen. James Devlin went on IR. It's going to be a, it's a, it's tough environment in Buffalo. He does tend to play poorly in Buffalo. Tom Brady kind of makes me nervous. My sleeper pick for, um, for this week, if you are a quarterback, streaming quarterback option is Andy Dalton, Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I suspect that game to be pretty high scoring, two pretty pretty bad defenses, two defenses that are struggling. Andy, Andy Dalton, if you look at his stats, has been pretty impressive this year. I could see him having a pretty good game, two to three touchdown passes. I can see him throwing between two, 275 and 300. So if you have a streaming option, you have any of those quarterbacks that, that made my nervous list, I would say go... I would stream Andy Dalton on Monday night. The running backs. I think he's going to excel this week. Austin Eckler. I mean, he's playing the Miami Dolphins. This might be his last week where he uh, has a blowout game. Now that Melvin Gordon's uh, coming back, he's going to have to share that backfield. He might lose his touches a lot. But this week against Miami, no, he has no other, no Justin Jackson, no Mike Williams. I can see him getting at least five to six catches. Getting a rushing touchdown, getting a receiving touchdown. If you have Austin Eckler, he's going to have himself a big game. Start him. He's playing the Miami Dolphins. I mean, whoever plays the Miami Dolphins and you have him, I start him. Marlon Mack, I see him have against the Oakland Raiders. They got gashed last week with my, against my Vikings. Marlon Mack and that offensive line they got in Indy, are one of the best in football. I see him having a big game. Play Marlon Mack. If you have Marlon Mack, I would feel confident playing him. Also, Derrick Henry going against Atlanta. I mean, they don't. I mean, it's not like Tennessee has any other options that, uh, on their offense. I would start Derrick Henry. Atlanta's a poor run, de- a poor run defense, and Tennessee likes to run the football. I see Derrick Henry getting twenty-five to thirty touches. I play Derrick Henry. Obviously, if you have David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, you're gonna play those guys. But the guys that, that make me nervous. I'm sad to say this. I'm kind of nervous. Dalvin Cook. He's been a star so far in the first three weeks. Looks like arguably the best running back in football. Can catch in the backfield. He's been heavily included in this offense. 
He gets 20, 25 touches, but against the Chicago Bears vaunted defense at Soldier Field, going up against Mack, Hicks, Goldman, uh, Floyd, Roquan Smith. They're going to stack the box. They're going to let, they're going to force Cousins to throw a football. Davin Cook kind of makes me nervous this week. Also, Chris Carson. Chris Carson's been having a fumbling problem so lately. He's, and he's got to worry about Rashard Penny behind on his on his heels. Might take his job. Car- Carson's been, he's getting, been since that since week one. He's been kind of struggling. If you have Chris Carson, be kind of nervous of him. Obviously, Todd Gurley. We don't know his workload. We don't know if he's going to get twenty touches. McVay did say he was going to give him twenty five touches, but we don't know at what point in the season he will eventually get the work ho- uh, workload. I think Todd Gurley. I think they're trying to save him. More for later on in the season when they're trying to make a playoff push. So, I mean, I could see a game where Jared Goff puts up big, big, big game against that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I mean that. I mean, Tampa Bay's run defense has been formidable. I mean, they did, they did hold uh, the 49ers. They also held Christian McCaffrey to under 40 yards rushing. I mean, he makes me kind of nervous. If you have Todd Gurley, also Leonard Fournette going against the Broncos, he hasn't looked too good. Dane back to last year. If you have Leonard Fournette, I'd be kind of nervous. Nick Chubb. If you have Nick Chubb, he kind of makes me nervous. Going against the Baltimore Ravens defense at home. Uh, offensive line's been struggling. So if you have Nick Chubb, he makes you nervous. And also Devontae Freeman. I don't even know if he gets the ball anymore. Uh, he doesn't look like his old self. Doesn't hit the hole. Doesn't run hard as he used to. If you have Devontae Freeman, that kind of makes me nervous. Going on to our wide receivers, who I think is going to have a breakout game that's going to excel. Cooper Cup. He looks like Jared Goff's favorite target. Operates in a slot. He has just been on fire since he came back. Jared Goff's security blanket. He looks to him often. If you have Cooper Cup, you start him. Also, another surprisingly sneaky good player so far this year, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett going against that Cardinals. Um... Defense, like I said, Russell Wilson was on my list, uh, and I'm going to say his favorite target, Tyler Lockett. He's had over 20 fantasy points the last two games. He gets double-digit target, and clearly you can see he's Russell Wilson's favorite target. He has a connection with him. If you have Tyler Lockett, I would feel comfortable having him. Also, Kenny Galladay, Detroit Lions, big receiver, Matthew Stafford's go-to guy, playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Poor secondary. That game's going to be high scoring. If you have Galladay, I feel he, I would feel comfortable starting him. Also, any of the Chiefs wide receivers, whoever it is, I, you don't, I would start any of them. If you have a Kansas City wide receiver, the way Patrick Mahomes is playing, if you have any of them, you start him because I can see any one of them getting a touch, scoring a touchdown this week. Obviously, Keenan Allen against Miami. Do I have to say it? They're playing Miami. If you got Keenan Allen, you start him. You don't even have to look twice. Keenan Allen, I expect to have a big game, but the wide receivers that make me nervous. Amari Cooper, saw him on the injury report. I was like, that's not too good. Obviously, as an Amari Cooper owner, fantasy owner that I am, makes me nervous seeing him get an MRI on his ankle on a Wednesday. Jerry Jones did go on the radio and said he was fine, but going to New Orleans Sunday night, I don't know if he's 100%. Probably going to be shadowed by Marcus Lattimore. Uh, Makes me a little nervous. Also, Mike Evans. Mainly because uh, I'm only nervous about Mike Evans because his quarterback, Jameis Winston. You don't know what you're going to get from Jameis Winston on any week. Also, probably going to be shadowed by either Tlaib, also Peters. Makes me a little nervous. Also, Adele Beckham. 
on the road in Baltimore. I know the Baltimore secondary is a little banged up, but just I don't know. That offensive line can't hold. Baker Mayfield doesn't look comfortable in the pocket, doesn't look too good this year. Odell Beckham makes me nervous. Also, Thielen and Diggs because they're going against the Chicago Bears. Kirk Cousins is going to be forced to throw. I don't know if he's going to have time to get to them to, to get the ball to them. I know that they're going to try to feature Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in this week's game plan just because the Bears are going to do whatever they take. They're going to take Dalvin Cook. They're going to try to take Dalvin Cook out of the game. They're going to force Kirk, Kirk Cousins to throw. So I that just makes me they make me a little nervous because I don't know if Cousins will have much time to throw. Thielen and Diggs make me nervous. My sleepers though. You have McLaurin. So Terry McLaurin, he's been on fire as of late. I think he was one of the first rookies to have six catches, 70-plus yards, and a touchdown in his first three games. He's a sneaky sleeper to start this week, going against that Giants secondary, who's also been giving up big plays. If you have Terry McLaurin, I would start him. Sneaky start. Also, Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders has been, looks like, the only consistent offensive player on that Denver Broncos offense. Going against Jacksonville without Jalen Jalen Ramsey, probably not gonna play. I would say Miles Sanders would be a nice little sneaky sneaky play. Also Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones also against that that uh, game playing against the Chiefs, high scoring game. I can see him getting his fair share of targets. Also Juju going against the Bengals, pretty porous defense. I can see Juju finally bouncing back, having a big game, and also Tyler Boyd also playing against another. Uh, struggling defense in the Steelers. I can see that. Bengals-Steelers game on uh, Monday night being a sneaky good game, even though they're both 0-3. I can see some offensive uh, output in that game. Sneaky. Those are my sleepers and my wide receivers. Tight end. Evan Ingram going against the Washington Redskins. You got Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones looked good his first game. I can see them feeding Evan Ingram. Start off that game. See Evan Ingram having a game game. Delaney Walker also against the Falcons. Also our struggling defense. I see Delaney Walker. Also Darren Waller. That guy is a monster. Big 6'6", tight end, athletic, fast. Uh, Derek Carr is one of his favorite weapons. Targets to throw to. Darren Waller. Obviously Kelsey. My sleepers, Vernon Davis against the Giants. Eric Ebron. And also TJ Hawkins in the Detroit Lions. Once again, Anybody, if you have any of these players in that Chiefs-Lions game, I would feel comfortable starting. Obviously, if you're going against defenses, I like the Chargers, obviously, against the Rams. I mean, I'm sorry, against the Miami Dolphins. They're going to turn. They're gonna throw a pick or two because it's Josh Rosen. He's going to give you the ball. He's going to give you the opportunity to get turnovers. The Rams, because again against Jameis Winston, he's going to give you some opportunities uh, to get some uh, turnovers. I'd feel comfortable starting those two defenses. The two defenses that make me nervous. Cowboys, prime time at New Orleans. It's a hostile environment. Teddy Bridgewater is a formidable quarterback. He still has Michael Thomas. He still has Cook. He still has Camaro. He still has weapons. That defense, they kind of they, they were letting the Dolphins move up and down the field last week. Cowboys defense make me a little nervous. Also, the Seahawks, they've been a struggling defense as of late. They've kind of They've kind of been a little bit let, let down, even though they added Clowney. I can see Murray, Kyler Murray. They're a formidable offense. They can move the football. I'd be nervous starting them. So that is my fantasy XL and who makes me nervous. So if you have any of those players I listed, uh, if they're on your um, if they're on your team, 
I start him. The players that made me nervous, obviously, if you have Dalvin Cook, you're going to start Dalvin Cook, but he makes me nervous. But if any of those other guys, if you have any other better options, I might go with those. But moving on, we got some key big matchups this week, week four. There's going to be a spotlight on a few Games that I have circled on my uh, on my calendar, who I want to be watching. I got a couple games that, for a couple teams, are going to be high-pressured games. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Who is going to be under the most pressure this week? According to the dictionary, pressure, continuous physical force exerted on or against an object by something in contact with. Also... The use of persuasion, influence, intimidation to make someone do something. So, what is a form of intimidation who's going to be watching? Whether it's A, coaches on the hot seat, players that are going to be on the spotlight. I got a few games in mind that are going to be high-pressurized games. Who I'm, who I'm going to notice the pressures on this week? Let's start off with the NFL officials, the referees. You guys, it. You guys have honestly hijacked this league with your poorest calls, constantly throwing flags, holding calls, botched pass interference. I mean, what is this whole? What was the whole purpose of this pass interference challenge? I I, I still haven't seen any benefit of this pass interference. I think I saw a stat where it was like twenty seven challenges and they've only overturned seven. Please tell me what was so beneficial of impl- implementing this new rule. Uh, officials you still don't overturn them it's still hard to tell what's a pass interference and what's not you're ruining the game so i'm going to be watching the nfl referees this sunday if you keep continuing these bad calls you're going to make the game unbearable hard to watch if you got tom brady tweeting last thursday about the officials complaining about these bad calls letting the guy let these guys play their men Everything doesn't have to be so ticky-tacky. NFL, the refs, pressure's on you this week. Clean it up. Bring back old football. Everything doesn't have to be a flag. I've noticed flag calls have increased, what they say, 26% or whatever, have increased. Holding calls have increased through the years. We're watching you, NFL referees. Please, please. Don't make this. Don't make these games hard to watch with your bogus calls. You're ruining the good games with your bogus flags. Constantly throwing a flag, slowing the game down. Um, we're gonna be watching you this week for NFL referees. Also, Titans at Falcons. Who is the pressure on that game? Dan Quinn. Let's start off. Dan Quinn looked like he had a good start to his career. Led his team to the Super Bowl. And then obviously that infamous debacle blowing a 28-3 lead. Does it look seem like he's they've recovered since? Had a losing record last year. Off to a one and two start. Dan Quinn, you're supposed to be known as a defensive specialist. And you've been getting gashed as of late. Your defenses. Pressure's on you, Dan Quinn, because Arthur Blank might not be as patient with you. And also Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, you were the MVP two years ago. Uh you were given a new contract. You lead the league in interceptions. You already got six. You threw all of seven all of last year. You already had six, and we're already four, only four uh, weeks into the season. And you already lead the league. The pressure's on you. Doesn't look like that money was well worth it, is it, uh, for the Falcons. Matt Ryan, the pressure's on you. You can't go one and three. Because if you go one, one and three, your season might be over. 
you're pretty much in a winnable division. You have a chance to uh, overtake the NFC South with Drew Brees out for six weeks. Matt Ryan, Dan Quinn, pressure's on you. And also on the other side, Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota. I mean, you have looked pretty pedestrian the last two or some years. You're always hurt. You look pretty pathetic against Jacksonville Jaguars. This might be your last week. Being a starting quarterback, if you have another bad game, you might see a quarterback change in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill might end up taking that job. So, Marcus Mariota, your job's on the line. If you play poorly, the pressure is on you. Another game. Browns-Ravens. Pressure's on Kitchens and Mayfield. Freddie Kitchens, you were given keys to the Ferrari. You were given a first-round overall pick in Baker Mayfield. Added Odell, Nick Chubb. Also, I have Jarvis Landry. You were the hot tame. Everyone was talking about you. You were this new sexy pick. Cleveland Browns. This is your chance. You're going to Baltimore. You don't look in sync. Baker Mayfield looks uncomfortable. The play calling has been very questionable. Freddie Kitchens, you seem overwhelmed. Are you going to get the offense going? Because a couple more games, you struggle, Freddie Kitchens. You might get replaced pretty quickly. Ask Steve Wilkes. He got repl- fired after one year. High expectations are high in Cleveland. Continue to slow start. You may no longer be coach of this team. And also Baker Mayfield, man. What happened? You've been doing all this talking. Doing all this nonsense. Talking like, you know, talking that big boy talk. And then you come back, come out starting the season flat, struggling. You got Odell. And Jarvis Landry, and you've been playing poorly. Hey, man, spotlight's on you, especially on the other end, playing against the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who's drafted number 32, last pick of the first round. Well, you're the first pick in the first round, and he seems to be outplaying you with far less weapons on offense. Doesn't He doesn't have Odell Beckham. He doesn't have Jarvis Landry. He doesn't have those weapons, and he's playing so much more better than you have Baker Mayfield. We owe Lamar Jackson an apology for all those people that have been ripping him, especially me. He's exceeded my expectations. He's been playing well. He looks like he plays with a chip on his shoulder every week. And if he wins, people are going to be talking about, is Lamar Jackson actually better than Baker Mayfield? Pressure is on you, Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens, because if you go one and three, you're going to be in trouble. It's going to be some more heat. So get it together, Cleveland Browns. Pressure's on you this week. And my final spotlighted game that I have circled, most pressure, Vikings at Bears. Big game for Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins. Spotlight's on you. You have a, both 2-1. and one. You're going to be at a three, 3 o'clock game, so most likely America will be tuned in. Which quarterback will not blow it for their team and make the crucial mistakes when it matters? Is it going to be Mitchell Trubisky or Kirk Cousins? Mitchell Trubisky has been given a vicious defense with the Chicago Bears. He's got formidable pieces on his offense. Allen Robinson, they do have Miller, they have Gabriel. They may not play. Trey Burns, solid. Drafted Montgomery, got Davis and Cohen, and you've just not. He is just not. Been playing up to par, especially Mitchell Trubisky's pressure's on you because if you stink it up again, if you stink it up, and then obviously no one being drafted, you're always going to be the quarterback known as the guy that was drafted before Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So that's always going to loom under you the more you struggle. So Mitchell Trubisky, pressure's on you, but I'm going to put the pressure 
on Kirk Cousins. All right? This one's on you, Kirk Cousins, Mr. $84 million. The pressure's on you the most this week. You're, what was the stat? You're 4-26 and against teams with a winning record. 4-26. and You're paid $84 million, Kirk Cousins. You have legitimately the top three defense in the Vikings with Hunter, Griffin, Limbaugh Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, Mike Hughes, Trey Waynes, Harrison Smith, Mackenzie Alexander, Anthony Harris, Barr, Kendricks, loaded on defense. You have arguably the greatest wide receiving tandem in the NFL with, with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and you have arguably one of the best running backs in your backfield and Delvin Cook at your disposal now, Kirk Cousins. Now it's on you. No more excuses. You had your chance to beat a division foe at Soldier Field, which has been a house of horrors for the Vikings. I don't know. In the 20-some years I've been watching the Vikings, I've probably seen them win like three or four games at Soldier Field. Even when the Bears are bad and they're struggling, they always give us fits. Even Favre couldn't win there at Soldier Field. It, Keenum won last year, at the, two years ago, at the skin of his teeth, went, won, won, won by a field goal, even when the Bears weren't even good. Even all those years we were good, we always struggled in Soldier Field. This is your chance, Kirk Cousins, to redeem redeem yourself, exercise some demons, get the fans and the media off your back, Get the least some scrutiny off because the spotlight is on you, Kirk Cousins. You face the most pressure this week because there's you don't want the media is always going to talk about they don't trust Kirk Cousins. The Vikings are loaded, but we don't trust the quarterback Zimmer and Stefanski and the the scheme. They seem like they want to take the ball at your hands, but this week you might have to be able to chuck that football this week because the Bears are going to do whatever they take to. Whatever they do, they're going to take the running game away, and you're going to be forced to throw the ball. Are you going to be able to make those throws when it matters, when the spotlight's on? Cousins, you need to lead the way. This one's on you, Cousins. You don't have many opportunities. You stink up the game, you're really going to lose your locker room. You can already sense some tension already with the receivers. They're not getting the ball enough, partially because of the game plan. With Stefanski and Kubiak, they want to take the ball at your hands as much as possible, but... I'm sorry, you can't throw. You're not going to have games where you throw 15, 10 to 15 times. You're going to be asked to throw the ball in some key games. This is going to be the games, Kirk Cousins. Spotlight's on you. NFC North is the toughest division in the NFL. You can't go 2-2. Two and two. You can't start off. The, you can't go 0-2 in the division. This, wins, this one's on you, Cousins. The Vikings are going to win. It's going to be on your shoulders. Because this game's going to be a slugfest. Two premium, stout, vaunted defenses are going to go at it. They're going to, they're going to make the uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins a nightmare. Cousins is going to have to worry about Khalil Mack and Floyd off the edge. Trubisky's going to have to worry about Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. This game's going to come down with to which quarterback doesn't make the mistake. Which quarterback keeps the ball protected. And... Mr. Trubisky, you might have a pass because you're only two, three years in the league. You're still learning. But Kirk Cousins, you were brought to Minnesota to win games like this. You weren't paid $84 million just to hand the ball off. 
So Dalvin Cook, we had that with Christian Ponder, where he just, just reminds me, just Christian Ponder, well, we just hand the ball off to Adrian Peterson. We all get out of his way. But we weren't paying Christian Ponder $84 million. Kirk Cousins, this one's going to be on you. The pressure is going to be on you because everyone will be watching. The media will be watching. The fans will be watching. You're already starting to lose fans already. You stunk up the game week two against the Packers, throwing 14 for 32, throwing a key interception in the red zone. Cost your team the game. When your defense had your back and held the Packers scoreless in the second half, and you, you blow it. This one's your chance, Cousins. You're starting to lose supporters, and if you blow it and you stink it up, the stink up the joint with the spotlight on you, you might lose your locker room, you might lose the coaches, and you might lose the fan base, cousins. So the pressure's on you. You have a chance to redeem yourself and make up for all the bad games you had. You crumbled week 17 against the same Chicago team where they had nothing to play for, and you could have been in the playoffs. You stunk up the joint, and they kept you out the playoffs. You got you played bad at Soldier Field, throwing two bad interceptions. One get picked off. You're 0-2 against the Chicago Bears defense, Chicago Bears team. They look like they have your number. You seem rattled when the games matter. So, Kirk Cousins, this is your chance to prove yourself. The most pressure this week is on Kirk Cousins. You better deliver. Okay? Forget the wins. Forget winning or forget forget wins or losses at this point. Forget. You have to show up. You have to play well. I'm not expecting you to throw 300, t- 300 yards, four touchdowns, but don't make mistakes. Protect the football. The play is not there. Throw it away. You just have to play a clean game. If you can throw two touchdowns, 250 yards, that's okay. That, might, that, that could win you this game. But Kirk Cousins, the pressure is on you this week. You are the most pressured player this week, week four. So I'm going to be watching, all of Minnesota will be watching, all of America will be watching because we're going to have the CBSA team with Tony Romo, I think it's Phil Sims. you're going to be on the spotlight, big game, at Soldier Field, Division 4, who's going to be 3-1 and one and be tied for first place, this game's important, so don't let me down, Kirk Cousins, I was your biggest supporter, remember that, alright, because I take just as much heat for you as you take. I went up there on the podium on the mic during Super Bowl week and advocated for you to come here because just like me and just like Rick Spielman and Zimmer, they thought you were the difference maker on this already loaded roster to take us over the top. You were brought to win these games in Soldier Field, divisional game, chance to go 3-1 and one in the division. So we're all going to be watching you. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Defense, number 98. You know what I've had? I, I'm already riled up. I'm ready for some. I, listen, I'm already ready for the game. Okay, I'm, I'm done already. Anyways, thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the Being Technical Podcast. Once again, you can stream me on the Anchor app as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream your podcast. <clears throat> Does not matter to me as long as you're listening, whichever platform you prefer. <clears throat> you can stream me on any of those. Once again, my time's up. I'll talk to y'all later. I'm out.